Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of Tales from Behind the Twitching Curtain. Today, we will be talking all things dogs. Dogs, 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 which makes me very happy. And we'll be talking about why dogs make me very happy and the relationship between mental health and animals. And uh, we will be hearing from a lot of my friends and colleagues about what dogs mean to them. We will also be listening to a short play I wrote about an old dog who was abandoned at Christmas time. Now I know that sounds very sad and 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 it and it is very sad in parts. In fact, it was the hardest thing I have ever written. I've written some autobiographical stuff that goes to some dark places, but no. Writing about this abandoned dog was by far the hardest thing I ever did. I cried buckets. But I tell you this in advance because I would want to know. You don't need to go onto doesthedogdie.com. I promise you a happy ending. The dog does not die. I would not do that to you. But before we get to that, that little play called I Thought I Was Goo Girl, we're going to hear from my father. Uh, my father is the actor Brian Blessed, uh, probably best known for his role in the sci-fi extravaganza Space 1999. <laughs> my, my, my parents um, really taught me how to care about dogs. They've, they've always rescued um, a, a ton of animals. When I was growing up, I grew up in a, a pack of seven rescue dogs. I think there were 11 rescue cats. They've also rescued ponies, horses, ducks, chickens. They have quite the reputation for it. And people will quite often dump animals on my parents' doorstep. So that's where I I learned this this love of animals. And I, and I think a lot of um, my empathy uh, came from that place. So I'm very grateful for that. It was really a wonderful upbringing. And uh, so I cornered Dad on Christmas Day in the kitchen to ask him what dogs mean to him and you know I have, an, I have a confession here I, I, I should probably have got the mic a little closer to him but how was I supposed to know that there would ever be a situation in which you wouldn't be able to hear the voice of Brian Blessed here you go well hello everybody I have got my father cornered in the kitchen and I'm holding him hostage because I am cooking the Christmas dinner so Whilst I have you here, and we have all our rescue dogs together, all together this Christmas. I know you've rescued many, many dogs over the years, and it's a bit of a big question. I just wondered what uh, dogs mean to you in your life. What do dogs mean to me? Brian, blessed ear, speaking in the kitchen with my daughter. Well, I mean, you do hear that dogs are our best friend, as a human being's best friend. There's a huge difference that they have. Dogs also sense our feelings they watch us uh, and 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 that they're almost you know have this great sensitivity almost psychic 
and they know what you're thinking and they're worried if you're worried and so if you need comforting they will comfort but the difference between a dog and human beings is that you see a dog knows but we know that we know and that's our big problem <laughs> yes. it gets in the way this is the big difference between us and dogs they are our dearest friends they're close to us and they have been since the time of the cavemen mm -hmm. they've always been there in an infinite variety throughout the world an infinite variety of dogs they love us and trust us i've had multitudes of them since i was about uh, 25 years of age when i was in z cars we had beautiful dogs the closest I've been to a dog was a little Jack Russell called Misty. Yes. Uh, who, when I did my life, uh, you know, mm -hmm. who do you think you are? Yes. Etc. Uh, I had to say bye bye for a few days to little Misty, black and white Jack Russell, and she moaned and she, I'll be back soon. It's on the film, break your heart. And uh, I made a last little bit of film with her as she was old and dying. And I'm walking through the woods with her to different localities which she loved. And she walked slowly and look at me and smell the area and sit down. And she loved these last walks. Uh, I've written a little Chinese short book, you know, uh, Summer with Misty. Mm. And we just walked to a little location here and a little location there. Yeah. And so the most darling sweet dogs. So, I mean, I think... Dogs are one of God's greatest gifts to us. Absolutely. They teach us so much. They're so loving, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. They're a godsend. They come from heaven. And all my dogs, I want to see them again. I positively believe I shall see them all in the dog heaven. They're all waiting for me. <laughs> and there they'll treat me and kiss me and bark at me. Brian, blessed, dogs are everything. You say, you know, they're not just for a day or a year, they're forever. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Happy Christmas. Thank you. Happy Christmas to everybody. <laughs> and Sorry to cut him off there. Happy New Year from him also. Uh, it just has to be done. If you, if, you, if you don't turn the mic off on my father, then I'm afraid he just, he just doesn't stop speaking, which is impressive. But, uh, but we need to get on and listen to the play I Thought I Was Goo Girl, which I wrote a couple of years ago for a charity night at the Old Red Lion Theatre when we were raising money for Dogs Trust, who do a wonderful job, and Mind, who also do a fantastic job. That time I performed it live. Since then, it's been made into a short film, which you can find on YouTube if you're interested. If you look up Rosalind Blessed and I Thought I Was Goo Girl... Here in this version, in the radio version, if you like, uh, Chris Pybus provides the other voice and the direction and the sound design, Clever Chappy. And I have to say that we were both in floods of tears uh, because we're such softies when we were putting this together. I wrote it as, uh, as we were approaching a Christmas and one always worries about uh, animals being bought as presents to be discarded later on when um, when they realise that uh, they're a real challenge and a commitment. And then, of course, COVID hit, and this saw a huge surge in the demand for dogs. 
uh, with shelters being emptied, which uh, which is, of course, a good thing, but but slightly double-edged because, once again, when people then hit going back to work and their working hours change, you suddenly see the dogs starting to return to the kennels or, or get abandoned. Um, and, of course, during COVID as well, you saw new breeders springing up, making the problem worse, uh, dogs getting stolen. I, I just can't help worry about the, the fallout from all of this further down the line because I am a worrier. I'm a worrier in general, but I'm a worrier about animal welfare in the extreme. But hopefully, hopefully we can we can do the right thing. Uh, anyway, with that cheerful thought, let's listen to I Thought I Was Google, written and performed by myself, Rosalind Blessed, directed by Chris Pybus, with music from Lisa Von H, who also provides our intro music along with her partner, Michael Leelman. I hope you enjoy and speak the other side. I thought I was Google. I thought I was Google. I am howling for my pack. I got left behind, you see. They don't know I got left behind. I tried to follow them, tried to keep up, but I'm not fast in the pack anymore. I ran and 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 ran, but then my paws got pain. And I am slow now. I am slow all the time. Perhaps that's why I'm not Google now. I want to be Google again. I love my pack. I was excited to get in the... Stick my nose in the gap. Go to the grass place and pea smells and other stranger dogs. They are not as good as my pack, but we do sniffs and sometimes graggle play. <laughs> we don't go to the grass play place much anymore. Perhaps because I am slow. Perhaps because I am bad girl now. I don't want to be bad girl. I don't like the alone room. We went to a different grass place. The man pack and me. I was excited because he had been loud with me today when I did the bad thing in the pack room. I tried not to do it, but I couldn't hold it all night, and I tried to scratch and tell them, and I tried not to do the bad thing, the no-smack bad thing in the pack room, but I couldn't hold it. I am slow, and I make mistakes. Today he saw the bad thing and called me bad girl, and I went in the alone room. Then it was me and Manpack in the... And it was me and Manpack and new grass. So many smells and it was wonderful. But then 
man pack was in the... And I ran back, but I was slow, and it was going fast and fast and fast, and I don't know the new grass place, and I ran and 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 ran, and now my paws got pain. I don't know where I am. It's cold. When I was a fast pup dog, I was always ghoul girl. I was all graggle and gruff, and, and the pack were all... <sighs> it was the sparkly time when I came home to my pack from Mummy Dog. The time when the tree is inside and the little sharp leaves come off, and sometimes they go in your paws and make them pain. But then Woman Pack takes out the little sharp leaves, and you can go fast again. The first sparkly tree time, all the pack called me Goo-Girl. It gave me delicious nomps from the pack table. Woman Pack and Little Pack and even Man Pack gave me delicious nomps. Ooh. So good. I am hungry. I'm cold. Ooh. It is the sparkly indoor tree time now. The pack has a tiny pack now that is just. want to smell it. So soft. It smells so lovely. But Man Pack is loud and no smack. I am not. <sighs> I am. Be quiet! And no! They don't give me nomps from the pack table. But I took some. So hungry. I am slow all the time, but I was quick then. It was so good. I got more and smash, smash off the table. Pack girl. <coughs> In the alone room. I am bad. I am wrong. I am slow. I am old. I'm cold. I am hungry. Where is my pack? Hello? What's this? Pack? Pack? Wait, you are not my pack. Who do we have here? What are you doing out in the cold all alone? No, don't be scared. That's a good girl. What did you call me? Shh, it's all right. It's okay. It's a good girl. Goo girl? N no, I, I am not that. I, I am bad. I am wrong. I, I am sorry. Don't hurt me. See my belly. See my I'm belly. I'm not going to hurt you. You're all right now. There, there. It's okay. It's okay. 
I've got you. Feels nice, nice on my belly. You smell good, Pack. You smell kind. Come on, let's get you somewhere warm. Come on, come with me, old girl. What a lovely girl, what a good girl. I am, I am really. I am Google. Well, then it is licks, 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 licks. I love you. I love you. I, I love you. Yes. Yes, I am coming with you. I am coming with you like a Google. I'm watching the news and it's making me sad. And suddenly the woofer is sitting on my lap. He's not a great so I switch it off He takes his eyes see I told you it would be all right in the end so yes that is a happy end for little goo girl who never did anything wrong no dog deserves to be turned out on the street but especially a dog who is older and would have no idea what they have done wrong for their life to be turned upside down like that and I would like to encourage you out there, if you are thinking about getting a dog, to consider getting an older dog. I did that. I adopted a Staffordshire Bull Terrier called Boyki, who was 10 years old from the local RSPCA, from Millbrook RSPCA. I went to have a look at him in the cage and he was so sad and withdrawn and all the fur had fallen out of his tail and he wouldn't make eye contact. His voice was gone from having been barking relentlessly in his cage. And all the staff there said that he was the most amazing dog. They were all completely in love with him, but we just couldn't put that together with this sad little creature in front of us. But my heart went out to him anyway, and I thought, well, I can, at the very least... I'll just give him a, sa a safe place for him to uh, live out his days. And I tell you what, when that 10-year-old Staffy came home, the second he went through the doors, our front doors, I don't know how he knew, but he knew he was safe and that he was home. And I tell you, he opened up like a great sunflower and he got into every corner of the house. He just ran around sniffing everything. And he just knew he just knew it was his. And he was absolutely wonderful. And we had five years together and what a joy he was. I'm so glad that he got that last five years with me so he could really, really enjoy himself, go on wonderful walks, incredibly sociable, would sit, at, you know, it was back in the day when I used to have parties. I, you know, who has the energy for that anymore? But then I did. I used to have parties and... Uh, 
Boyki, Boyki, <laughs> would sit up on the on his own chair at the table. And I don't know if you know this about Staffordshire Bull Terriers, but they make this wonderful trilling sound. It's almost like they're like almost bird-like. Like and they actually very seldom bark, which is uh, quite strange. You look at these big, you know, tough looking, I suppose, I never think they look tough, but people say that they look tough, tough looking dogs and they make these sweet little trilling sounds. Anyway, and everybody absolutely adored him. And whereas I thought I was doing my, you know, a generous thing by opening my doors to an older dog in actual fact, I was the one who benefited. I got all this glorious love from such a wonderful, wonderful dog full of personality. It was so much more to give. And the wonderful thing about an older dog is that for the most part, they're they're going to already be housebroken. They're on, you know, you don't you don't have to uh, live with your things being chewed to bits, uh, you know, all that puppy stage and pee on the floor. Not that I mind any of that. I don't mind anything to do with dogs. I am happy for all of it. But with an older dog, you you know, you know what you're getting. They, a lot of them don't need as long of, of a walk. They can be left for periods of time most of the time. And I'm just saying there's a lot of benefit. I'm selling it to you, basically. I am selling this to you. Really do consider giving an older dog a home they are well well worth it and they so need it because all the younger dogs get snapped up far quicker than the older ones do so um that's my little bit of pr for an older dog so yes that was my pr work for older dogs but in truth all dogs uh give us great joy, companionship, support, and they come in all different shapes, sizes, temperaments. It's just infinitely exciting to me, and I would gather them all up and live with them all if I possibly could, just moving around in the fur soup. To, to be fair, that's sort of a bit how my life is anyway. Well, my recording just got interrupted because of huge firework that just went off outside. Now, I didn't think this through when I started to record this episode, that of course today, and even though it's only 4.30 in the afternoon, we're going to be interrupted by a lot of fireworks, and that is a very difficult time for dog owners, or a lot of dog owners, uh, across the country. Uh, my lurcher, who was just sitting by me, keeping me company, we were having a nice day together, has fled in fear to the hallway. Uh, my lovely dog Sam, the staffy who I have recently lost, um, was absolutely terrified of fireworks, would shake, salivate. I was always worried that he was going to have a heart attack. We used to have to sedate him. And I want to have a little rant about fireworks here. I won't be the only person who feels this way. Well, fine. If you must. If you must. Okay, this is New Year's Eve. Perhaps this one day, I still think. Please, let's just keep it to uh, public events if we have to have them. I mean, ideally, why can't we have 
Those wonderful fireworks that come without the noise. It's the noise. That's what scares the animals. And it's not just the dogs. Birds fall out of the trees, dead from, the sh from sheer fear. Horses bolt into fences, wildlife likewise. It is, they are my least favourite thing. And people seem to be able to get hold of them all year round, which causes infinite distress to pets and wildlife. And of course, as we know, other human beings with PTSD, if you don't, you know, if you don't care about animals, well, if you don't care about animals, you probably shouldn't listen to this podcast because, well, you know, bye. But I'm sure you do. But if, if it, you know, even if it's only humans that you care about, fireworks, you can shove them. Shove them where their noisy light don't shine. That's my little rant about fireworks. Anyway, but thinking about that poor Staffy, that poor Staffy Sam, he used to get so terrified of fireworks that he would climb into the bath. That's where he felt safest. And do you know what? It's actually quite clever because I think if there, if bombs were to fall, getting in the bath is, is one of the more sensible places to go, I gather. But that dog, Sam, let's just talk about him for a while. Now, he was also in the last episode, The Deer and the Badger, because he was um, one iteration of the of the badger from from that play. And I wanted to talk about him because he, for me, has been my emotional support over the years when I've really suffered from a variety of things, which we'll get into over the over the episodes. But Sam, that dog, the empathy of that dog was unparalleled. If I was ever sad, I don't know how I don't know how he could tell. I think he could smell it, sense it, but he would be by my side. And I don't think it's overstating to say that I may not be here on this planet without the love of that dog. I think he genuinely, genuinely saved my life on many an occasion. And of course he was more than that. He was funny and we had great times together and we get out and about and walk. And that's one of the greatest things about having, having a dog is that you are forced to get outside every day and get that vitamin D coming in on you from the sun. Um, just looking about in nature is, 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 is completely uplifting. It takes you out of yourself. I think your your gaze comes forward, comes out of yourself and goes out, which is so important. When, the more that we look inward, you can always get into the murk, you can get into the quagmire, but taking your dog outside, or your dog taking you outside, more to the point, and getting your eyes looking into the trees and the wonders of nature, I just, it's absolutely invaluable. And you have to do it, otherwise the dogs will make an absolute pest of themselves. So you need to get outside. But you want to get outside, that's the point. But dogs, I can't imagine a life a life without them. I had, uh, I was living on my own for about five years, but I wasn't really living on my own because I had four dogs. Very different personalities. I had Minipin, who was this crazy little terrier, uh, a miniature pincer. In fact, very imaginatively named Minipin by the RSPCA. Um, she was she was crazy. She'd been she'd been used as as a breeding dog 
um, so for the first 12 months of her life, had not known human touch or kindness or anything except a cage, didn't relate to human beings. Bit me many, many times. Um, but she had a very small bite. So it's very difficult for her to break the skin. But over the years, became wonderfully loving and protective and was crazy about other human beings. Suddenly, human beings were her favourite thing. And I think she may have been my greatest success in that sense because she was properly rehabilitated. And that made, that made me feel good about me, that I was doing something good for her. You know, it's that symbiotic thing. So good for the mind. And then Milo, who is still with me, he's coming up to 14 now. Can't believe that. But he was he was thrown over the fence. He was a little rescue thrown over the fence when he was a tiny, tiny puppy. Um, and he kept growing and growing and growing. I hoped he would stop, but he he did not. And he's a wild, eccentric, infinitely funny. Um yeah, he's he's more cat than dog. I don't know how to describe it. He's sort of a cat mixed with a human combined with a yeah, just a comedian, I guess. He is joyful. And then I had uh, Crum, who's also from the RSPCA. Crum, she was a little um, Jack Russell. And she was feminist and forthright. <laughs> I don't know how a dog could be feminist, but she was somehow. Well, she was the alpha, even though she was not the biggest. And she was a uh, oh, wonderful, wonderful dog. And then, of course, along came Sam. After Boyke passed away, the older Staffy that I had, we had... Um, we had Sam. Oh, excuse me for getting a little emotional here, but he was really special. And um, he passed away about three months ago now, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, about it's perfectly legitimate to grieve for your dogs. They are your family. And I think people need to understand that it's um, it is a it is a great loss when they when they pass away. I, I still look round for him. I, I still look round for all of them. I dream about them constantly, but um, it's very raw the loss of Sam. I have to say, because he, above all, was just there for me at any time. And that level of support and love and devotion is such a rarity in this world. He was such a pure, <laughs> pure soul. And um, and I, I miss him deeply. I feel a little bit like the colours of the world have been turned down. Uh, I am, of course, happy that he is not suffering and that he is not in pain anymore. But um, I would give anything to hold him again, to have him nestled up to me. Uh, but this is is the um, this is the tragedy. This is the only tragedy about dogs. They are the greatest gift in the world. Um, but the the other side of it is they just, on the whole, do not live as long as we do. And we are their, we are their carers, their guardians, and we have to make the tough decisions when they get older, the the best ones, the hardest decisions, and and we have to, in order to be kind, we cannot put 
For the most part, we cannot put human beings out of their suffering, but we can look after our animals. So, <laughs> sorry to have a slightly sad conversation with you, but I know that a lot of you will be grieving for animals that you have lost and that you still feel a part of you. And my arms go around you. I, I feel it and I see you. Do you think with that love, that capacity you have, please do go out again and give a home to another animal. It's not replacing them. It never would. It's never about replacing them. It's about sharing a different experience and rescuing a new life. And it's so important. Ah, well, on that note, let's hear from a few of my friends. I always wanted a dog, but I wasn't allowed one growing up. So as soon as I became independent, <laughs> well, ish, I got my first dog and he was a four-year-old Westie called Iddy. Uh, and that dog was the beginning for me. Um, he turned my life around, no doubt about it, without being dramatic or, yeah. He just gave me a reason to get up and think about something other than myself and I think that's really like healthy to have something bigger than you and from then on my dogs have always been bigger than me and they've always helped me through everything. I've had loads of rescue dogs over the years now that I'm very old. Um, uh, my rescue dog at the moment is called Twig and she's as nuts as I am. In fact, night before last, I nursed her through an enormous panic, panic attack, which lasted um, most of the night. And I thought, yeah, she was sent to me for a reason, because last time I had one, she was there helping me too. So dogs, I mean, never be without one. I know that for my mental health, I can't. I love dogs. Thank you ever so much. That was the lovely Lisa Von H, the incredibly talented musician, singer-songwriter that you hear at the beginning and the end of the podcast and at the end of I Thought I Was Goo Girl. As you can hear, she's an absolute kindred spirit when it comes to the, to the doggos. And I remember Iddy very well, very well. He was absolutely gorgeous, aren't they all? And yes, of course, Twigs, her current doggy, is just delightful. And so have all the doggies in between been. So very happy new year to you, to your family and your dogs. Now, I was just going through Facebook and I came across this post by my friend Carol, Carol Caborn smith And I just thought her sentiments for the end of the year were absolutely beautiful and uh, quite relevant here. So if you don't mind, I would love to share those with you. If you just bear with me a moment. Here we are. I'm feeling weirdly indifferent about a new year coming. Not in a bad way, just the opposite in fact. Getting Covid and almost dying has made me realise things. Life carries on, at quite a rate. The NHS is what holds this country up. Rest is healing and important. Being held by Paul is really important. 
My lungs are important. The love and gratitude I feel for my family and friends is insurmountable and important. I have to try and love my body more. The note I got from Mabel about how watching me be brave allows her to be brave was my best gift. My laugh is pretty much back. I apologise in advance to the general public. Oh, and we don't deserve dogs, but we knew that already. I think that was absolutely perfect. What a beautiful sentiment. So thank you very much, Carol, for letting me read that out. And now from the sublime to the somewhat ridiculous, as we hear from my wonderful friend, Matt Salisbury, we have spent many, many, many a day together traveling the country round as the song goes from Canterbury Tales, which is what we did together many many times and uh, he's got some rather unique thoughts on uh, dog ownership which um can't wait to share with you we'll speak afterwards so dogs yes um well what do they mean to me in general uh i have betty she is a uh a uh, border crossed with a uh, cairn terrier, so she's quite fluffy and sweet and all that. So obviously, all of the the general things that you'd expect, like companionship and snuggles and you know fetching a ball, all that stuff. But there's some uh, there's some really good practical elements uh, to having Betty that uh, I often think um, to myself uh, that had I not had her. Um, I would miss those things. So things like uh, I tend to walk her in the evening after dinner and I tend to eat too much dinner and um, and get very full. And so obviously walking after dinner, that's a really good way of kind of walking off that food and you come back feeling a bit more refreshed and a bit less sluggish. And it's all thanks to Betty because she knows that that's the time that she goes for a walk. So if I didn't do it, she'd moan and it gets me out and I feel much better after having dinner and walked the dog. Um, So that's one thing. I mean, you could just go for a walk anyway, but who wants to do that? You know, what's much more fun if the dog is there? Um, there's all the all those things that I mentioned before, companionship and all that stuff. They're all based on that uh, unconditional love, aren't they? So even if you were a really nasty person in your everyday life, um, dogs tend to love you anyway, as long as you're nice to them. And that's a, a sort of a, a condition, I suppose. But it's just one condition. As long as you're nice to the dog, they'll love you back. It uh, doesn't matter if you're a horrible person. I'm not a horrible person, at least I I hope I'm not. Uh, But Hitler was nice to dogs, wasn't he? And he was was a shit. So, yeah, be nice to dogs and they will love you forever. (laughs) Yes, um, I think we can all safely agree that he was indeed a shit. So thank you for those observations, Matt. But in all seriousness, actually, Matt raises a good point that um, dogs don't care who you are. They don't judge you, if you see what I mean. You don't have to feel shame or awkwardness around your dog. Your dog will support you and love you in whatever you do. You just need to feed it, walk it, stimulate it, look after your your doggo. 
But I have to say, even dogs that have suffered terrible abuse, I've seen the resilience in their nature and their capacity to forgive and love and give back. Even if they have experienced shits, as it were. So moving on to something else. Okay, here's some words from my friend Shay, the lovely Shay Watkins, who I was just doing the Scottish play with uh, this year. He's also a very talented musician and a beautiful man. I do encourage you to look him up. You'll see what I mean. But he has a fantastic little dachshund doggy and he sent me some words about him. This is what Shay has to say. Barkley, the wirehaired dachshund, is a pain in my ass. My whole world has to now revolve around the stubborn, scruffy mud butt. And if I don't give him food when I've got food, if I don't rub him whilst he chews his toys, if I don't throw the ball when he wants the ball thrown, then I bloody hear about it. Endlessly. Like a dog whinge water torture. I love him. He gets me out and about and chatting to people I never would have before. I love his cuddles and I love his play. He's my best friend, truly. Yeah, well, I hear all of that, Shay. I couldn't agree more. And you can actually find Barkley if you search on YouTube. Uh, Barkley the Wirehead Dachshund. You'll be able to see Shay and his dog at play. And I suggest that you do go ahead and do that. Now, I'm going to... Uh, turn over to my other friend Matt, my friend Matt Pinches, who is the co-founder of Guildford Shakespeare Company and he is one of the guardians of my sanity, as is that in entire company. So I leave you with a wonderful Matt Pinches. So, um, I'm Matt and my fiance Claire and I, we have an 18 month old little black dog called Nelly and she's a bit of a Heinz variety because her mum was a sprolly and her dad was a cockapoo so she's got a lot of spaniel uh, but also collie and poodle in there as well and she has brought, over the last 18 months she has brought so much happiness and laughter into our lives, into our home when, you know, we've really needed it because of what's been happening. And there is a joy in having her in our lives that, you know, we, I, I personally didn't realise was missing, uh, strangely enough. And you can probably hear her chomping on a, on a, uh, an antler next to me. Um, and just that sense of, you know, goodness, uh, the lengths you will go to for a little living creature um, to make sure it's happy and content and well, and I will go to the ends of the earth for this little, for this little lady, um, which you know is an amazing thing, and she is utterly amazing, as all our dogs are, of course. Um, I will share a little anecdote, a little seasonal anecdote with you. So uh, last Christmas, um, Claire made, as she always does, uh, a homemade Christmas cake and she decorates it beautifully. And uh, she just finished decorating the cake and she put it on the dining room table. I went upstairs. I was in the kitchen. And then all I heard was this. And I thought, what is that? And I came in and this little one had decided to get up onto the table and had eaten half of the cake 
uh, well, the icing of the cake and all that was in the, the white icing. So all of the holly and all the holly berries are gone. And um, in the cake are just little uh, paw prints and um, uh, 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 little teeth marks. Um, thankfully, she didn't get into the fruitcake. So we were saved that. But um, and we have a picture of that cake and it sits in her in her in her gallery that we have of her first year um so many happy memories and uh what a joy our dogs bring to us every day well i'm glad they didn't get into the cake because you know raisins are not good for doggies raisins and grapes i didn't know that until reasonably recently but fortunately it never came up as it were so, uh, good. Good that it didn't get into the cake. But, oh, I've had so many things stolen off my counters and my tables, haven't you? Dogs have got... Uh, having a lurcher, of course, he can reach anywhere in the kitchen. I remember one Christmas losing an entire beef wellington down my, um, down my lurcher. Milo. He knows what he did. Okay, now we're going to hear from my friend. I've only just recently become friends with this incredibly impressive lady, Tess Eagle Swan. She actually came into my life when she first saw Google, the film of Goo Girl that we listened to earlier in the, um, in the episode. She has the most extraordinary story. She's one of my personal heroes, and I'm so glad that she's come into my life. I won't spoil it for you because I'm going to get Tess on the on the program further down in the series and we're really gonna get into the nitty-gritty of it but her story is astounding what she's come through um, the mental health challenges she's had life challenges and the place that she's come to now what she's achieved with rescuing dogs rescuing herself it's truly inspirational. So I couldn't have this episode without begging a message from Tess. And if you want to look up her remarkable story, you'll be able to find her all over social media. She and her dog, Cray too, have become quite the sensation. So if you want to go and do a little research, I would. And it's a, it's a real Cinderella story there. but But good, you know, a good story as opposed to glass slippers and princes and all that guff. Anyway, I will let you listen to the wonderful Tess. Mental health matters and dogs matter and their mental health matters. And when you put the effort into being well and you put the effort into your dogs being well and all that they need and learning about their needs and how they need to be balanced mental activity, physical activity. There's so much more to sticking a dog on a sofa, giving it a ball and feeding it treats. They need a lot of input as we do. And the harder you work at being well, the better it is, the easier it is. There's still days where it's impossible and you cannot move forward. But that's okay because there's a, a new day the next day and you just have to keep going. I work with Andean energy ways that clear heavy energy and I forget how to do it and I forget to use it. 
and then one day I think, oh, I've got the tools. <laughs> I don't actually have to be like this. And I do something about it. And then I pick up my momentum. I get, get back on track and go speeding along with my seven league boots on, with Kratu by my side, supporting me, making me laugh and smile as I support him and make him a very happy dog. And together we can take on the world. And we do, and we've done quite well so far. And lastly, we're gonna hear from my friend, Nick Murphy, who is um, not only a wonderful actor who I've worked with and have written for, and whom you'll hear perform later in the episodes, but has also been my faithful uh, dog sitter slash companion slash walker over the years. And um, this is just a, a lovely tribute to my dogs and particularly Sam. In fact, I have to say, I think he probably says it better than me. So let's hear from Nick. I remember when I was first introduced to Rosa's, uh, I guess, menagerie um, brought into the house. At the time, she had four dogs. Um, and being a massive dog lover, I was very happy. Um, and they all had such kind of distinct personalities, distinct characters. So Crumb was the sort of elder elder statesman, this sort of or <laughs> elder stateswoman, this tiny little dog, come up, would check check on you, uh, just make sure you're all right, probably growl at the other dogs, because she was always a bit crotchety, um, and then she'd go off, and she'd sit, and she'd relax, and she checked in with everyone, and that was fine. Uh, Minnie, uh, even smaller than Crumb, uh, climb up the back of the sofa, eat the back of your head, uh, nibble on your ear, and then she'd go off and do something very silly. Milo, of course, would come and kind of flirt with you a bit and probably try and get some food off you. But then he might choose to uh, tonk off and find somewhere quiet to hang out. And that just left uh, one of Ross's dogs who, I don't know, I just seemed to develop <laughs> a bit more of a kind of special bond than any of the others. And he just sort of patiently waited there and... It's it's a really weird thing to say, but I really felt like he was a kindred spirit. So he just came over and he just seemed so pleased that you were in his life. It was a remarkable talent of Sam's, really, that just his entire focus would be on you. Possibly on, you know, uh, hot dog sausages if you had any, but mostly on you. And just so pleased that you're with him and he'd spend the entire evening with you so the other dogs would all go and do their thing and they're lovely but sam just wanted to be next to you to be you know sort of cuddled up against you in fact to a fault really because quite often um, you'd nip to the toilet while he was asleep and the stirring would wake him and um he'd worry so he'd come and join you in the toilet. Um, one of my <laughs> dearest memories is this photo of him, is a photo I have where he's basically resting his head on the trousers that are around my ankles. It's a wonderful image and uh, one of my favourite photos. Um, 
he did. Ge- I mean, it sort of sounds like a cliche. He did genuinely have a, a, an absolute kind of joy of living. <laughs> I just remember one of the uh, first times I'd taken them all out for a walk, the group of all four of them. And they so they were still pretty young dogs, Sam and Milo. And Sam came hurtling past me like a tank. I mean, he's a, you know, he was a muscly dog, stocky dog. And he was giving everything, charging, running his heart out. And Milo, of course, being a lurcher, just came skipping past him. <laughs> sort of doing maybe 40% effort, but going twice as fast as Sam. But it didn't deter him. He was so, so joyful just to be out and running with his friends. Um, we had another moment <laughs> with Milo and Sam. They were always, um, certainly in my experience, a bit of a double act. And um, taking them out for a walk on on the big uh, common. Um, and I think it was some squirrels or something. Milo had seen some squirrels. And he was off like a shot. And, of course, when you're walking someone else's dogs, you're always it's always even slightly more worrying when one of them runs away because... You're not just worried for your dog. You're also worried that um, Roz is going to uh, pound me into the ground. But And so I was sort of running after my dog. Come back, come back. Of course, no chance of ever catching him. And genuinely, Sam, I mean, he, he always did get kind of emotional if you were emotional. But he he literally sort of took it upon himself to go, look, don't worry. He's done this before. He kind of came up to me really calmly, just sort of, pressed himself against me. It's like, don't worry, he, he's done this before. He'll be back eventually. And sure enough, 10 minutes later, a very uh, panting but very happy-looking Milo came trotting back. Well, well that was a lovely run. Uh, I had a wonderful time. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so many, so many good memories of Sam. He was a fantastic company. Um, he really just... I genuinely believe you just couldn't really feel lonely if Sam was there. I think he would guarantee um, just that connection, that feeling that someone kind of is there for you and and someone loves you, really. Um, He did suffer with things like firework noises. Oh, goodness, he suffered so much. Uh, I remember the first time the fireworks started and I was was dog-sitting, and I wondered where we'd go. He wasn't by my side. And he, he was hiding in the bath. I was so... He's such... <laughs> such a wonderful boy. But the fireworks made him so sad. And even though he's sort of always kind of constantly near you, it almost made him want to try and get closer to you. <laughs> I always felt like he was trying to slide up inside my ribcage when the fireworks started. They so distressed him. It was so horrid. And because and he's so good at making you feel comforted, making you feel more secure. It was heartbreaking that there was nothing I could do to make Sam feel better when the fireworks were going. Um, Even during the middle of the night, if I had to get up during the middle of the night, Sam would always just toddle over and just, oh, just pleased to see me. Um, And yeah, it, it it was sad, but... Even the last few times I saw him, came to see him at Rosa's, and even though then, I mean, he was he was getting, he was sick, he was poorly, he'd lost a lot of weight, but he looked up at me when I arrived, and you just saw in his eyes that 
he was genuinely happy to be there and to be with his friend. And that's kind of a wonderful feeling. And that's why he'll always mean so much to me, really. Um, yeah, I miss him. He's a good boy. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me today and talking all things doggy, all things canine. It truly has been wonderful to spend that time gushing over dogs. And if you've got any stories of dogs, your dogs that you want to share with me, I am all ears. I would happily listen to that all day long. So uh, just wishing you a very, very happy new year. I'm wishing you a happy new year, but you know what? It's not compulsory. Not all of us are having a fantastic time going into the new year. It's certainly daunting to face another year of uncertainty when we've been through an awful lot. So I guess I'm just wishing you a new year because why why wouldn't we want to get out of the one we're in? Not that it's been all bad. There's always good to be found. Nestled in there amongst the bad things for a start, I'm very grateful that I was able to spend more time with my dogs during lockdown. So there's always there's always something to think about. But anyway, I hope you're with friends and family having a good time or that you're enjoying your own company or you're cuddling up to your dog or if you're just hanging on and getting on through. I'm sending my love to you and my very best wishes now. I can hear, I don't know if you can hear the fireworks going off in the background, but I certainly can. So I'm going to have to leave you now. Go find that poor shaking lurcher and see if I can persuade him to come out of the hall or at least make him comfortable wherever he wants to be. Yeah, and you, you get comfortable wherever you want to be. Lots and lots of love as always. And I will see you. Well, that's a lie. And I don't like to have lies between us. I shall... Not see you, but speak to you in the next episode. <laughs> Take care. If you trace the lines closely, you might walk the road I've been on. Understand why I cling on for a change of weather. For a change of weather.